2: Hello, welcome everyone to the Spotlight. It is Thursday, May 26th, here in the morning. I'm Jeremy Lambert. joined as always by Steven Jensen. Jensen. Hey buddy.
1: Doing well, doing well. Happy to be starting the day with this show and uh, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. A lot, of, a lot of good stuff happened this past week in wrestling. and thank you everyone for joining us. and we got a lot of good response from last week for the early show. so I'm uh, I'm, uh, I'm happy with the new time slot. A little programming note right off the top. Next Thursday, will be live a little earlier. It'll be 8.30 a.m. Every now and then for my shoot job, um, I'm going to have to work a little bit early. But that way, you're going to get the show at 9.30 a.m. every Thursday. Every now and then, it'll be at 8.30 a.m. So that's the biggest difference you'll ever see. So it's not going to be like all over the place like it was for the last month or so. Just a heads up, next week's going to be a little bit earlier. uh, But still right here, same same place. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us today. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about wrestling.
2: We'll do the uh, special start time like AEW Rampage. We get, we get preempted by or get bumped by the, uh, I don't know, what, by a Sean Ross app interview, I guess. We get bumped by them. My God, it, clean shaving Connor Casey is in the chat. His profile picture always just, look at this. He has such a great beard. And then we get Connor Casey from like 15 years ago, looking fresh out of high school. Jesus. I don't have a new studio. I'm, I'm, in i've got about five different studios you're gonna you're gonna actually see sort of a new studio in our, our creators spotlight which a shell where i'm sitting in the kitchen right now i'm in the living room i also have the the bedroom and then i have an office that i don't go to anymore and i'm working on getting an office in the basement guys it's been a crazy crazy week for me i don't want to get into personal details but it, it's not been the, the best week of my life i will say that there's there's just been a lot going on here and i've slept about four hours and i've got it's just a lot all right it's a lot it does drive me insane connor <laughs> guys leave a super chat leave a humper chat uh we appreciate all the support as I mentioned, we have Jayshel Nicole in the creator spotlight a little bit later on. And there is plenty to talk about. And we're going to start with, I could do one. I could do a, a show in the kitchen. I actually have like, because I, I'm, I'm living with the fiance now, there's actually like spices and stuff. Because before when I made, I made deep fried Oreos on like a, a Twitch stream. Uh, not deep fried, air fried Oreos on mm-hmm. a Twitch stream. And I had like none of the tools required to like actually do this um now that i'm actually living with the fiance uh we we have a lot of the baking tools and everything that is required to do this maybe i'll do another cooking stream at some point who knows all right let's get into the wrestling here steven jensen aww or nothing on sunday Headlined by CM Punk. Headlined by, I guess, Game 7 of the, the Heat and the Celtics since they're going to wait to start the main event until after that. But it is headlined by CM Punk against Hangman Page for the AEW World Championship. This is your spotlight, Steve Jensen, so I'll toss it over to you. Who do you think is going to win this match? And what did you think of that segment last night? So
1: I really like the build. Um, I, I like the dynamic of basically... Punk saying this is just business for him and like he's back in wrestling and just trying to win the world title because, like, why wouldn't he want to win the world title? Because that's like the main goal when you, I mean, in in Fave, uh, when you are a wrestler, is like to make money and to win championships. And uh, Hangman is taking a lot more personally because he's like he feels like he's a which is true, he is a day one AEW guy. Um, he had that long build to win the championship, and he's, I mean, he's been. I think his title reign has been great. Like I, I know there's been some like mixed feelings on it. I think it's been fantastic. Like every match I think has been a banger and he's been a great champion. And I think the the major goal of of putting this title on Hangman Page was to get the perception of the fan base to be that Hangman Page is on the same level as guys like Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson and like the, the tippy top tier uh, talents in AEW. And I think they've accomplished that. And that's also why I think that now is the perfect time to put the belt on CM Punk because I, I think the, the mission has been accomplished with, with what they needed to do for Hangman, and they've just got such a unique opportunity here with CM Punk, with just the the hot streak he's been on since coming into the company, and just the incredible matches and storylines with guys like Darby Allen and, and Eddie Kingston and MJF, and I mean it's just been it's just been like A tier type stuff that CM Punk's done just just feud after feud after feud, and he's still a very 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 you know, famous person i mean like in the in especially comparison to a lot of the people on the AEW roster cm punk is just super super well known like worldwide and stuff i think it just makes a lot of sense to put the the title on him right now so i like i like the uh the dynamic here because i also think that i thought that heading into this hangman was probably going to get booed over cm punk like if fans were going to choose a side i thought they were going to choose Punk's side and it seems to be a, a bit more kind of in the middle than I expected, which I, I, I'm, I'm just really interested to see how the fans respond during the match and who winds up winning. But I think the build's been been pretty good, and and also they they had like a, a week or so where like when Hangman was was dealing with COVID, like that they couldn't do a couple yeah. things probably. So I think given the circumstances, the the I like the build, I like the dynamic, and um, I'm really excited for the matchup. What about you?
2: I'm excited for the match. I think it'll be a very good match. Hangman really hasn't missed as champion. And I'm not sure Punk has really missed since returning either. So I'm sure the match will be great. I don't really have too much doubt about that. The promo segment last night, I like the contrasting dynamic of Punk just being like, I'm just, it's just business. Like, I'm here just to win the title. And Hangman, you know, making it personal, taking it personal, because there's always been the underlying thing with CM Punk. Eddie Kingston mentioned it, MJF mentioned it, it's like you are not portraying your real self. Like this whole happy go lucky punk, and and hangman kind of mentioned something last night where it's like, you know, you say you'll talk, you'll you'll stand up for the workers, but then you don't do that. Like, there's always been the underlying theme of punk is not portraying his actual self. And Eddie Kingston brought it out of him a little bit when, when he was talking. MJF didn't bring it out of punk because. MJF was the heel in that scenario, so he had to be the actual dick. Um, and, and then, uh, but in Hangman, he he's trying to bring it out of Punk, but he's not. But that's been the theme with Punk, right? And I think Punk should win because that has to come out. the The true CM Punk has to come out. We all know the the true CM Punk is a little bit of a prick, uh, and he's very great at that. On television and I think that has to that's why he needs to win this belt because he needs to win the title and then he needs to go sort of into what Hangman said where he said like I'm not just fighting for myself like I'm fighting for AEW I'm defending AEW from you and Punk needs to win the title and needs to probably go into uh, Forbidden Door as as the champion like the babyface champion and everything after Forbidden Door is when, assuming that All Out is not, even if it in Chicago, it doesn't really matter. Um, But after Forbidden Door, I'd make that switch of going from happy-go-lucky CM Punk to like, yeah, I'm here. I came in. I beat all your top guys. I won the title. Like, this is my promotion now, kind of CM Punk, and make him just full-on prick. CM Punk. That's how. That's how I would do it. Uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on because this was something that Dave Meltzer alluded to. There might be more to Punk and Hangman and real life issues between the two. I don't know if you you heard about this, mm-hmm. but yeah, Meltzer was just basically said like, if you read into it too much, like you're probably correct with, with Hangman. I didn't read into like there being like actual issues. Between the two, I just like to me it just seemed like wrestling. But apparently, people thought that like, oh, why'd Hangman say that? Oh, we got kind of lost and then was taking like the the sort of the personal shots there. And then Meltzer just sort of alluded to like, yeah, there might be more between these two. Dude, like, did you pick up on that at all? Like during this feud and especially last
1: night's promo? I I guess kind of because I think you know I think what AEW does really well is they kind there's kind of like that gray area sometimes where like they in this this is throughout all of pro wrestling but I think aew just kind of uses it maybe a bit more and I, I think like nxt uh like uh black and black and gold version did did this quite a bit too and stuff where like they know they know how invested the fan bases so like if there is something for the fan base to kind of sink their teeth into when it comes to behind the scenes, or even just the two of us knowing kind of like how punk has rubbed people the wrong way throughout his career and stuff like that. And, and maybe, Hey, and I think there might be real truth to like, Hey man, being like, you know, I declared, I wanted to be AW world champion. The first time we ever had one of these um, the first time we, we had a press conference, I was talking about being the AW world champion. And here I am with that title belt, great championship run great build to the title all this stuff and we asked CM Punk to join us back then and he wouldn't and then we asked CM Punk later on he wouldn't do it and like he eventually joined us but only once you realize how successful this was like this is built off the uh, backs of guys like us and CM Punk's coming on coming and kind of just reaping the benefits of that and we've had multiple guys like you said like Eddie Kingston being the prime example of kind of putting that out there like yeah cm punk comes off like this great happy-go-lucky fan favorite guy here but y'all have never had to deal with him backstage and had to deal with some of the stuff that he kind of right. you know well we have to deal with as wrestlers around this guy um so i uh, i guess i could I'll, I'll put it this way i didn't really pick up on it while i was watching it but you saying that it like i could put that together and i could see how that could there could be some real life uh truth and some real life feelings behind some of the stuff he was saying i i, I could buy that yeah so Dave, Dave's exact
2: wording or, or phrasing was he compared it to Brett and HBK, which we all kind of know those stories, uh, and said the more you know, the more it meant. So again, nothing outright saying like, "Hey, these two hate each other," but certainly alluding to there is is more to this story than just what's happening on television. We we will we'll see if there if anything more comes out about it but for right now that that's what dave is saying and like sometimes the best rivals you know off screen make for the best rivals on screen and and it does add a different layer to the feud and it does make it more heated it makes you want to want want to see it more i already wanted to see this match i think both guys have done a very good job jj mentions that like why didn't they start this after revolution and build it up for double or nothing they should have the aw does this a lot where they start feuds they either start feuds too late or they drag feuds a little bit too long. That's always been a criticism I've had of, of AEW. and this one, they probably should have gotten the ball rolling a little bit longer. Hangman missing a week with COVID certainly hurt things. I do think it's been a good feud. And if you look at it from CM Punk's perspective, it's been a story they've been telling since he's gotten back of racking up wins, beating homegrown guys like Darby, like MJF, Eddie Kingston not really a homegrown guy certainly given his run on the the independence and all the years he's put into the business but he is he's become a face of AEW since the pandemic and he's become one of the top guys in AEW since he signed so if you want to kind of like include Kingston as like hey Kingston's AEW like ride or die I think he certainly is um so like these are the guys that that CM Punk is beaten and now he's going on to to face the world champion. Uh so like they've been telling that story with CM Punk from the very beginning. So if you want to make it a long-term story in that aspect, I can certainly see how you could do it. Uh I'm going with Punk. I'm going I'm going with Punk to win. I think I think from a story perspective, it makes more sense. I think there's more to do with Punk as champion. Uh it's not it's not that hangman page is run as felt like cold or anything. All of his matches have been very good. The Danielson feud was great. The Adam Cole feud. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about Adam Cole. When we talk about the own tournament, the Adam Cole feud felt a little forced and I wasn't the biggest fan of that, even though the matches were great. And then the punk feud has been good. And I expect the match to, to be very good, but coming off the Omega feud, and this is through no fault of AEW outside of the Omega feud was top tier stuff and like from there there was really only no way to go but down uh hangman's run has felt a little cold based if you're going to compare it to the omega feud i think punk is the kind of spark that that AEW and the world title needs right now
1: yeah well and to your point a second ago too like because there was even you know i i'm a hugely moriarty fan but like he's not you know they're still really really on the early stages of kind of his progression in aew and i remember like cm punk wrestling him and like struggling you know like they've they've gone for like cm punk like really having to like get his feet wet and like really work his way up that card so like i think that was a good point that he made too is like punk's only been in the company for i mean i mean since last august okay so getting close to around a year um and it's been a a steady gradual climb to the title which and and when you come off of a win like he had on against mjf and a dog collar match and stuff like it totally makes sense that he'd be the number one contender so i have no problem with with like his his status as the as the contender for the championship and stuff like that and when it comes to to hangman i get what you're saying and i think a lot of people kind of feel the same way about some of hangman's run being being maybe a little lukewarm but my thing is like you just said too every one of his matches has been a banger so like yeah. that's all i can really ask for like yeah you know and in what and i think that other layer you mentioned this earlier too the forbidden door I just think it makes just too much sense when like this show is going to be in Chicago. You can have the AW championship on Punk and he could go up against one of the top stars of New Japan as like the AW champion representative and stuff. And But I do hope that he turns heel sooner than later. Like I, I really, really want to see a CM Punk heel turn. And I think it would be incredible if they could get to a point where CM Punk is such a hated heel that we start cheering for MJF to get the title off of him. I think that would be like the, that'd be like the wildest long-term story I think ever. Cause that would be like their trilogy match. And like, you can have MJF eventually beat punk for the title, but, but MJF never really has to turn babyface He just has to be, he just has to be liked long enough to get the title off of punk. Then he can go right back to being a heel, but like, i i i just think it'd be an interesting dynamic um but also we don't know the future of mjf if he'll even be in aew long term and and all that stuff and if they're going to change plans for him because he might he might you know aew might say hey if you're not going to sign an extension with us we're not going to put the world title on you you know what i mean like i i don't i don't know what they're going to do with with mjf until they get the contract stuff figured out but um and also know how much of that is a work either because i think a lot of it I think MJF's putting a lot of it out there in the into the world as a work. Even though I think he is interested in the WWE, I think that he's also interested in staying in AEW. So I don't think it's as much of like a a foregone conclusion that he's heading to WWE that as everyone thinks. But I think he also has. A, there's also a good chance he winds up there, especially with his link to Cody Rhodes and stuff. He'll, he'll have a foot in the door for sure. But regardless, I, I do. I think it just it just makes too much sense. It's one of those things where. I think AEW will kind of kick themselves if they don't put the title on Punk right now because it's just the opportunities is just right there in front of them. The stars have aligned. They have the big Chicago Forbidden Door show coming up. CM Punk's on a major hot street. I think his return to wrestling has gone way better than I than I thought it would. I mean, I I I'd imagine it's exceeded the expectations of pretty much anybody, even if you're the biggest CM Punk fan in the world. Just the fact that like he actually came out to, like, the throwback music against MJF with, like, the throwback gear and all this stuff. Like, he's he's checking all the boxes for, like, all the Smart Mark fans that were fans of his back in Ring of Honor and stuff. And, like, so I just feel like it just makes way too much sense. And I see people in the chat saying stuff about, like, Hangman beat Danielson and, you know, or Hangman beat all these other guys. Like, how, how would Punk beat him? It's just different. Like, CM Punk should... I mean, CM Punk beating MJF, I think, was, like, a real vote of confidence because they've really really pushed mjf and it really seemed like mjf was going to be the next guy in line for a title shot and punk beat him and not to mention also kingston and also darby and like really big matches so i think it's very possible that punk wins and if i'm aew if i'm aew put the belt on punk even even if the belt winds up going back to hangman at some point like i think right now you just need to put the belt on punk even if it's just for the short term although once again my perfect scenario would be a decent title run of like six to 12 months mjf beats punk for the title to finish their whole feud like that's you know kind of on hold now after the dog collar match but i do want to see a trilogy really badly still and i think it'd be really cool to see him be the one to beat punk for the title but um these are all just scenarios i'm throwing out there but as as far as the short term it sounds like we both got cm punk winning the title this sunday
2: Uh, Full Metal Creed does say, I mean, what's Hangman supposed to do? This run feels hot. He's not going to destroy Corvettes, ride Zambonis weekly. It's not that time anymore. I don't need that. What what I need from Hangman Page, and this is not a criticism of Hangman Page at all. All of his matches have been great. I love the Danielson matches. Absolutely love the Danielson matches. Um, The Adam Cole matches were, were good as well. It's a criticism of he's coming off the Kenny Omega feud. So like anything probably wasn't going to feel as hot, but after the Danielson feud, Cole felt like a very forced challenger, especially after we saw the visual pin of Orange Cassidy defeating Adam Cole. And I know that didn't matter in the rankings and that was what they told. I, I thought they could have told the Cole story better with everything. I, I didn't like that Cole got beat by Orange Cassidy in a lights out match and then went immediately into a feud with the world champion because that loss didn't count. I didn't like that at all. And then he beat Cole and then they still did a, a Texas Death rematch. Lance Archer got a title shot when Lance Archer hadn't beaten anybody. Like I didn't, I didn't fully like that either. The CM Punk thing, I thought they could have transitioned to that a little bit quicker. Like JJ said, like after Revolution, I thought they could have gotten into that feud a little bit quicker and just told a better story there. What could they have done to, to make it feel hot? Give me a more credible challenger than than Adam Cole coming out of it or make Adam Cole a more credible challenger uh, by not having him take that visual loss against Orange Cassidy. Get into the CM Punk feud a little bit quicker. Like Those were two things. Kind of follow up on the Young Bucks stuff a little bit. I thought that was sort of a a missed opportunity. and This is where the Adam Cole feud just didn't feel as hot to me as it could have because the Bucks were right there and they didn't play enough into that feud as they should have, especially when they gave the little nod to uh, to Hangman at, at full gear and the Omega stuff. I thought that feud just could have been better. Than, the story was there for them. I didn't think that feud was as good as it could have been.
1: Yeah, I, I and honestly, and this, this is not AEW's fault, this part of this. I think that a lot of things would have went differently if Omega was back sooner. I think that they really didn't think he was going to be out as long as he is. And I think a lot of these stories have kind of suffered a little bit because of it, because you would have had the whole Omega and and uh Adam Cole dynamic, the whole Adam Cole and the Young Bucks and, and the Hangman and the Young Bucks and Omega and the Young Bucks, like and where where do the Young Bucks side? Like where is there? I mean, I think there's a lot I, I think that they will come back to the Hangman, uh, Omega and Young Bucks stuff at some point, though. When 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 Omega's back, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to confront the Young Bucks and be like, hey, I've had a lot of time off and I watched that title match and like y'all wanted hangman to beat me you know like what's yeah. up with that you know like i like, i think that that's that's going to happen it just hasn't yet because omega's been off tv for as long as he has um orange cassidy uh driver was asking where like where he's been um wait oh, yeah, i'm sorry i think i thought it was him oh no i'm sorry august 3rd asked where orange cassidy has been um He's been hurt, right? Because he's more in a sling on his arm. Um, yeah. I love Orange Cassidy. I, I really didn't have a problem with Orange Cassidy beating Adam Cole. I had a problem with Orange Cassidy beating Adam Cole and then Adam Cole getting a title shot right after, like, like yeah. what you said. Like I'm, I'm, like, Orange Cassidy has been built similarly in a lot of ways to like a Hangman or a Darby or one of those guys where he's like a, a, a top-tier guy in AEW, too. He just – it's just more kind of sporadic. Like he gets – he'll get like a huge win over a, a huge name, And then he'll just kind of be like mid card best friends for a minute. Then like, it'll, it'll kind of do it again. But yeah, he's, he's just been, he's been injured. So that's been in the timing of that was just terrible because like he beats Adam Cole and we really haven't seen him wrestle like really since to my knowledge and maybe a little bit, but I can't really remember anything after him beating Adam Cole. And then Adam Cole's lost two title shots since then. um, Which we'll talk about here. I, I don't know if I want to transition right into the Owen tournaments, but yeah, Adam Cole's.
2: Yeah, let's get into the Owen tournament. This is my spotlight, is looking at the the finals of the Owen tournament. So we have Adam Cole against Samoa Joe, and we have Britt Baker against the winner of Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. Uh, This show has not been aired. It has not been taped. I'm pretty confident saying Ruby Soho is going to beat Chris Statlander to set up Britt and Soho. Um, Are you seeing what I feel like I'm seeing, and that's we're going to have a Britt and Adam Cole Owen winner, and just I don't think they're gonna go like obnoxious couple like Sammy and Ty, they already have that with Sammy and Ty. and Britt in an interview said like we don't need to like be together like that. Like everyone knows like we're together. We can do our own thing. We don't need to be paired together on television. But them at winning the Owen and just being like super obnoxious about it, I can 100% see that. I'm I'm fairly confident Adam Cole's beating Samoa Joe brit and ruby could go either way because brit uh already has a victory over ruby and i think it serves ruby more than it would brit but what what are you thinking here for for the finals and who wins
1: yeah i'm i'm with you um and by the way people mentioning orange Cassidy got hurt in that the casino ladder match that's right um which was that was crazy that was the match where he like climbed like did like the the the, like somersault up the ladder and stuff like to grab yeah that was that was awesome I, i i forgot about that that was awesome um yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's see the the good thing here is I really don't know who's gonna win these tournaments. Like, I, they they really, it's very it's been unpredictable, in my opinion. Um, I have this gut feeling that Ruby Soho is gonna win the whole thing. I've kind of felt that kind of since the beginning of the tournament. Um, so I, I, I but I don't know. I mean, the the thing with Adam Cole and Britt Baker is like they've both been in those top spots britt has been the the champion. Obviously, she was a long term champ. Um, Adam Cole has had two title shots really recently, so it's like in on one hand, Adam Cole winning the Owen keeps him in that spot without having to like be a champion, it, but it keeps him like way way up there on the card, which I think is smart because I think Adam Cole is he's a star. Like I think he should be featured as a main event level guy consistently, but at the same time, it's like he was just, he just had two title shots. Like, is this going to lead to another title shot? Now, if it's CM Punk is the champion against Adam Cole, that's something different. But I also don't think that Adam Cole would beat CM Punk. Like, is Adam, I don't want Adam Cole to become the guy who just like loses every title opportunity, just keeps getting more title shots, but like doesn't win. Like eventually he's got to win one of these to keep like his perception where it needs to be. Um, So it's tough. It's it's an interesting uh Interesting uh, tournament and like interesting participants here at the end, because on like the women's side, like I said, I think that Ruby makes a lot of sense. Personally, I'd like to see Chris Statlander win the entire thing. Cause I think it would do a, a lot of good for her career. And I'm a big fan of hers. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential with Statlander. I just don't think that this, the time is is now for her just yet. And they're changing her gimmick and stuff. Like I know there's big plans for her, I just don't see her winning this whole tournament, unfortunately. Um, but I but I mean, that's the thing, too. You have a lot of opportunity there with, with Britt and Adam Cole both winning. And then you also have Samoa Joe, who I think they're wanting to keep really strong throughout all of this. But he also has the kind of lingering story with Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt and all that stuff. And Jay Lethal, like, on the side, too. And, you know, is, is this where you know, those guys help, you know, screw over Samoa Joe basically and Adam Cole wins or something. I mean, do, you, do you overlap these stories? Because, yeah, so I, there there's a, there's a lot of questions, but that's the thing is like, that's what makes it exciting and fun as a fan for me is like, I really don't know. Like, and, and all these are good options. Like, I, I think Ruby's super talented. I think Britt's one of the, the most over women that they've got. And I think that Samoa Joe is one of the best in the world. Adam Cole's one of the best in the world. Like, these are all, these are all uh, very viable options to win these tournaments. Um, but as far as like actual predictions, like I really want to pick Samoa Joe. Um, but I'm also afraid of Adam Cole's perception. if like he can't ever win the big one in AEW. Like it's, it's, I don't know. And then, and then like <laughs> I, I said, I, think... I have a, I have a gut feeling about Ruby Soho, but it would make sense for Britt too. Cause like you got to keep her in that same kind of spot also. It's, yeah. What were we going to say? Oh, I'm
2: fairly confident in Adam Cole. I think there could be a story there if, like, Cole can't win this, and then once Omega comes back, he's like, you were supposed to take my place. What happened? You didn't win the world title. You didn't win the Owen. Like, what did you actually accomplish? Like, you brought your friends in here. Cool. You guys still – they didn't win anything. Like, they couldn't win the tag team titles. I think there could be a story there. But then that kind of babyfaces Adam Cole, and I think Omega – is going to be more of the baby face when he returns. I think he's going to get a big reaction when he returns. So I don't know if, if that's the story they want to tell, but I do think there is a story there uh, if, if they want to tell that. I think Adam Cole wins it because he can't just be a noxious heel with the with the title because um, apparently they're getting belts. What that belt means, I, I think it's going to be sort of like Dynamite Diamond ringish, where he gets it, he'll he'll like have it, but there's going to be no defenses of it or anything. It'll just be bring it back around next year for the tournament uh but i think he can be very obnoxious with it and, and i do think that like to babyface omega omega comes back cole's like ah, i won the owen like honored a canadian like where were you you know you're supposed to be canada's best wrestler and everything i think you can tell that story as well brit and and I, again i'm assuming ruby i think ruby needs it more i don't i don't think brit really needs it but they love just giving brit The accolades. They, you know, she is the braggadocious over-the-top heel of like, I've done this, 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 and this. So being the first person, the first woman to win the Owen is another accolade that they can give her to brag about. And that's what her character has has really become. And so that's why I could see Brit winning. I think Ruby should Ruby just kind of needs it a little bit more. Brit, she's she's in her spot. She's fine. She's not going anywhere i ruby fell off after she lost the the women's title at uh, the the title shot at Arthur Ashe. like she wasn't used for a while she wasn't really involved in anything much outside of pulling eddie kingston away from cm punk and then she finally got her feet back under in the, in the owen tournament i would hate for her to just lose this and just okay she's kind of gone again like I, I think she should she needs this a little bit more to really solidify herself in the division. Uh, Nerd guru says this is Tony storms to win. Brit doesn't need it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with that. I thought Tony might've been a better call than Brit as well. Brit really doesn't need it. She doesn't. But like I said, they love just giving her the accolades. And so it ain't going to shock me if she wins this
0: thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm with, I I agree with everything you said, like, especially the, the part about Ruby Soho kind of losing some traction after her title feud and, It's so tough. It's so it's tough. It's tough to make a decision on who I think is going to win these. I mean, when it comes to Wrestle Rumble, I'm going to be all over the place because I've put predictions out there already that like I'm already like going back on and stuff. Um, like Full Full Metal Creed mentioned in here. Um, he says that I should chill because like Adam Cole has plenty of time to win the big one it's not like he's in his late 40s here i get that you know i get that i also you know he also mentions the like the grand prix championships and mma like like pride fc used to have and stuff Yeah, those, those are fair points um for metal creed i my my thing is really more i'm a huge adam cole fan he's one of my favorite wrestlers and i think that no matter how good he is and how much time he still has it still isn't like the best look to like lose title shot after title shot and then like lose the finals of this tournament and be kind of labeled because long term, he's going to be fine. But like my thing is more short term, like I think he needs to win some of these big matches right now. You know, yeah, that's just my personal opinion. But that, that's coming from the perspective of like I'm a big Adam Cole fan. So like I, you know, I don't think he should have beat Hangman for the title because I think Hangman's the right champion right now. But maybe they should have done it just one time instead of twice. So like they could come back to it later on and like he's only lost the title shot one time. I don't, I just don't like, love the idea of like losing title shot one, losing title shot two, losing the finals of the Owen, so on and so forth. And it's like, I just think they should be establishing him winning some of these matches as well. Um, I I think if you try to like,
2: look too long-term, like I understand Adam Cole is like just entering his prime and you, it, it, it would be very smart to say like, Hey, Adam Cole can win the title down the line. It'll be fine. You never know what's going to change. In the wrestling business. All right. It's very possible that Adam Cole gets pushed down the card because here comes Roman Reigns or something. I don't think Roman Reigns is actually leaving, but it, you know, like nobody thought Cody was leaving. You just yeah. never know what is going to change. So sometimes you just gotta capitalize on this stuff when you can, and you can come back to it with Adam Cole. You just don't know what's going to change. So, like it's okay to like look long term when it comes to stuff, but looking too long-term can maybe get you into trouble of not realizing what is in front of you right now.
1: Yes. I think that's a really good point. And I also think that like, I, I really hope that the finals of this tournament of both these tournaments doesn't wind up being like screw job finishes either. But like, I could see it like, like Jamie Hayter could very well turn on Britt Baker and cost her the match. Cause that's going to happen eventually. Like that feud's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, this Samoa Joe, Satnam Singh, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal stuff, like that's looming in the background too. I'm just hoping this doesn't affect the winners of these tournaments because I think they've done a really good job kind of with like the integrity of the tournament and like what this is. And and I don't think that like, you know, I don't think that it's the best look to have like these tournaments go as well as they have just for like screw job finishes for the finals. Um, but I could see something like that happen at least maybe in one of the two matches. I don't know. I'm gonna all right, I'm gonna put the prediction out there. I'm gonna say Ruby Soho wins the women's tournament. I'm gonna stick with Samoa Joe for the men's tournament.
2: Okay. That's that's fair. I I kind of hope you're right more than I'm right, because I, I think Ruby deserves it more. Joe, I I think that's going to be a screwy finish where lethal yeah. and undisputed elites and, and just a bunch of people kind of get involved on that. Uh maybe Jonathan Gresham will come out and help Samoa Joe. Uh Joseph Wood says, Are you shocked? Sure? Darby has been left off the card. A little bit. I thought they were setting up an eight man with uh, O'Reilly, Fish, Young Bucks. This was last week against Sting, Darby, and the Hardys, and then they just went Bucks and I guess it was two weeks ago, and then they just went Bucks and, and Hardys, which I'm I'm okay with, but it leaves Darby. It seems like Sting is hurt, like he's missing Fan Fest. I don't, I feel like if you're going to do like a worked injury angle, you're not going to – like pulling the guy off Fan Fest. Kind of sucks. Uh so maybe he is like actually hurt. I thought maybe we were gonna get O'Reilly Fish against Sting and Darby. I feel like Darby's gonna have some presence there, but it is surprising that Darby is not on this card.
1: Yeah, but it but it does make sense if Sting's hurt that like if they had plans for like a tag team thing and and Darby doesn't really fit into like something for a singles match, or they didn't want to like replace Sting in like a big multi-man tag match or something. I I get it. Um as a fan of Darby Allen, I wish he was on the show. But at the same time, AEW's roster is just so ultra stacked that like this happens every pay per view where like there's a few big uh, big names left off. I mean, like FTR doesn't have a match on this show, right? right? I mean, so it's like, and they're probably, in my opinion, in my opinion, the Young Bucks are the best tag team in, in wrestling. But like, I under like I'll I'll not I won't argue against FTR. Like, if someone's like FTR is the best tag team in wrestling, I'll be like, yep. Totally, totally see the point there like i i'm i because for me they're like they're right there i mean they're right there with young Bucks. so it's like so the point is because even even when like cody was in aew he wasn't on every pay-per-view and stuff i mean like they're 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 their rosters so stacked so and darby is in a good spot like i wish he would have beat uh would have beat uh jeff hardy in their match i didn't really like how i, th- I thought the match was awesome but i didn't love how jeff just ate the coffin drop and then just like no sold it into the crucifix pin, and it was like after the match they had especially um but it's one of those things that's like i i i think is darby all the all the pillars right like darby and sam Guevara, and, and i know ricky starks is on the show um who's the other who else MJF. mjf that's right i don't think Starks is technically a pillar it's oh, Jungle. That's right. Boy. Jungle Boys. Jungle the other Boys other Pillar. That's right. Starks came in during the TNT title um yeah. open challenge. That's right. Um, and I kind of like in Orange Cassidy's kind of in that same kind of boat. Um, you know, the, the point is all the all the kind of younger quote unquote homegrown talents that AEW has, a lot of them aren't on the show. But like the show's still super stacked. So um I don't think the show's like m- I don't think the show's gonna be worse because Darby isn't on it, but like Darby is one of their top guys, regardless, and you know. But I, th- I think that I think that once again, I think the point is, I think it was going to be a big multi-man match, like you said. That's what it looked like they were they were setting up for. Um, but if Sting's hurt, that kind of takes Darby out of the picture for right now too, and that that would make sense as to why he isn't on the show.
2: Yeah, uh, maybe they do something on the uh, the pre-show to to set something up. I imagine Darby is going to be there. In some capacity, maybe maybe it's a backstage angle, whatever it might be. I feel like he's going to be there and do something in some capacity. Uh Moving on to WWE with a former AEW wrestler. The Cody countdown, Jensen, they did this just for you. Yep. They counted down that Cody was going to wrestle The Miz. Jensen, defend Cody in this match because it wasn't good.
1: It was a rough one so when it comes to the cody countdown uh, i do appreciate the WWE doing that for me and i also appreciate that they're they put them on right after better call saul every week also (laughs) so like they know because they it's i promise you and i know it's it sounds like i'm crazy because like those two worlds are very different better call saul and 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 WWE raw but i'm just saying like the ratings for better call saul are super high and their main demographic is 18 to 49 so it's like I think there's something there to that too, to a degree where they're like, hey, the 18 to 49 demo is who wants to watch Cody. The reason they do the countdown is because they're trying to get all of the people who don't watch Raw but like Cody or like AEW to watch Cody. So like they're basically telling you, hey, if you don't want to watch the full three hours, we're telling you exactly when Cody's gonna be on. And by the way, it's right after Better Call Saul. So all the 18 to 49s can finish that show and then come jump right over and watch Cody. Um so that all said, I love the countdown because at least, I, I mean, I have no interest in watching Raw for three hours at all, but but I, I love knowing when Cody is going to be out because I want to support Cody. So the match though, yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and I don't know, I don't know who to blame because like the Miz has never been great in the ring, but it never really comes off that bad. Um, and Cody, I think is fantastic, but at the same time, like it takes two to tango. I'm not going to sit here and just like blame the Miz for this because that isn't fair um i think i i'm just hoping that vince doesn't sour on cody because of something like this where he looks at that and he's like oh yeah never mind this guy can't be the one to beat roman after something like that i just really hope that that he doesn't get a bad taste in his mouth over that but i can't imagine that he was like happy about the match because it just it just it was clunky and it just didn't it just didn't work i mean it was I saw clips on Twitter, too, that people put together of just, just the botches and all, like, the awkwardness. And it was just, like, for, for two guys, especially to their level of, of, I mean, both these guys being real veterans. I mean, people can say what they want, but The Miz is a bona fide first ballot WWE Hall of Famer, like, as far as I'm concerned. Like, the second he retires, he should go into the Hall of Fame. I, I think he, you know, he's, he's he's been way better than I think people understand for that company, especially given where he came from. And Cody, I consider to be one of the best in the world. So like for this, for this to happen, it was unfortunate because I do like the Miz and I do like Cody and I can't really put the blame on one or the other. I think it's both of their, both of their doings here. It just wasn't, it just didn't work. It wasn't good. And they might've been a little overconfident too, because they're going into it thinking like how much do we really need to prepare for this. Right. I mean, it's, we've both been doing this for 20 years. should have but... used their eight hours to,
2: to go through the match. <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Practice it. They apparently maybe they had longer than eight hours, but they should have. They should have done more with their time to to practice that match.
1: Yeah, yeah, they should they should have done something. I mean, see, that's the thing. You would think that the two of them would just they just hit a home run because it's two veterans who have known each other forever and know each other's stuff, and you know, I just. whatever reason it just wasn't good and like i said my my only fear coming out of that has been seeing that and just like souring on cody because of it because they're they're clearly behind the Miz always i mean given the position he's been in the company for so long they like what the Miz is all about um and they're heavily pushing cody and, and they're 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 letting cody get away with a lot of stuff that no one else does i mean he's still he's still basically promoting AEW on his social media and stuff when like merchandise drops and like action figures and all this stuff. I mean, like he's getting away with stuff that no one else really there's, there's wrestlers in WWE be afraid to mention other wrestlers on in tweets. And Cody's like retweeting his AEW action figures. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so I, well, yeah, well, and obviously I have no problem with it, but it's one of those things where like, I could see Vince being like, we're giving this guy so much leeway more than we've ever given anyone. And like, but he can't be putting on performances like this. And especially if we're going to have him beat Roman, like this can't be like, so yeah, it was disappointing. I don't know why it was so bad. Um, I'm a fan of both guys. And for whatever reason, it just didn't click. I think, Cody's come back and he's wrestled
2: mainly Rollins. He's had a couple of other television matches, uh, like against theory, but he's wrestled mainly Rollins and Rollins. While he does the WWE style, he can go. He's a very diverse performer, Yeah. right? Cody. He's been out of the WWE bubble. He's been doing his own style for a while. Miz is very much a hundred percent. This is the kind of wrestler we want in the WWE style. I just think they were on two separate pages. Uh, it, Like, they weren't even like botching difficult stuff for the most part. Like, it was just stuff they just just looked like they were on different pages and going at different paces. I think Cody was trying to work at a faster pace than Miz was going to work at. And it just became off. Your point about, you know, Vince Souring is good because you would think he wouldn't, given that all, you know, they've put behind Cody and everything. Vince is a weird dude and he could just see that and be like all right fuck it like we we ain't doing anything with Cody anymore I can't have a good match with the Miz everyone has a good match with the Miz like the Miz is like the safest worker out there it's like he's the guaranteed just like thumbs up match the Miz you ain't gonna get like this classic with the Miz or anything but for the most part you're also not gonna get like this horrible match this match wasn't horrible by any stretch of the imagination but it was not your usual Miz is out there acceptable television wrestling match with the Miz and like Vince could see that and just be like, "We ain't doing nothing with Cody after this." I don't think that's gonna happen. But what do I know about Vince McMahon? This man is seven seventy-six and is probably working out and has been working out for the past five hours. He's he's a lunatic. So I don't know anything about the mindset of Vince McMahon. I think Cody will be fine. It was just wasn't a great match. It was it was Cody's first real miss since returning to WB because so I think his matches up to this point have been very good. His promos have been very good. This was a miss. It's going to happen.
1: Yeah. And, and my, honestly, my fear comes more from like, like remember at WrestleMania 33 when Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho had their match and like, and McMahon just like, didn't like it. And like there's yeah, footage Chris of, Jericho
2: and Kevin Owens to tell this story every podcast.
1: Yes. Yeah. And well, and there's footage of, you know, of Owens going backstage after the match and, uh, you know, they all, you know, walk past Vince and Vince is always like hugging them or like giving them a thumbs up or whatever. And Vince was just like, no, no, that wasn't it. Like that. And, and Owens is like, Oh, and he's like, am I in trouble? Like, Oh no. You know? And, and that really hurt Kevin Owens push, you know, he's re he's rebounded over time to a degree. I mean, he's really all over the place going from main eventing WrestleMania against Steve Austin this year to like, not, having to be the one to try to cr- crack the case on yeah, like, and that Elias is like and, great wwe nonsense
2: yeah, this Ezekiel sh- stuff.
1: sure I, i'm not i'm not saying it isn't i'm just saying like owens is all over the place like like they, they, they sometimes he's just like off tv for extended amounts of time and like um but it was one of those things where like i i really liked the owens in jericho match at wrestlemania like i didn't see anything wrong with that match and and vince hated it and it and it 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 and it halted the progression at the time for Kevin Owens. So that's that's kind of where that's kind of where my fear comes from. Something like this with, with Cody. I'm not gonna sit here and say it was like the worst match of all time or that was horrible. It just wasn't they just didn't click. And it I was think the it was worst obvious. Cody Rhodes
2: match of the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know I I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. So that's anyway. My hot take bold statement. But yeah, it's just unfortunate because once again, I like both guys a lot. So He's um, going
2: gonna to lose to Rollins at Hell in a Cell, and I'm going to come on here the week after that and be like, see, if he would have had a better performance against The Miz, they would have put him over Rollins, but because he had that shit match with The Miz, Vince has lost confidence. Seth is getting the push now. I'm going to push that narrative. I'm going to control
1: my narrative like WWE does with their statements. Do Do you think that it's like, do you think that Rollins wins in Hell in a Cell and then Cody wins Money in the Bank? Is that the route you think they're going? Maybe
2: that that seems like a WWE thing to do. Is like give Rollins this last win and then uh, Cody can have this briefcase. It'll be it'll be fine. So that seems like a WWE thing very much.
1: Yeah, I'll be picking Cody in my WrestleRumble uh, picks for that. For what it's worth, but I I could see them doing something like that. Um, but yeah. I, I still love Cody as much as I always have, and I've still got a lot of love for The Miz. I talk about it all the time. I've still got his old. You being a Miz fan pops me. Like, well, because, dude, I was super into the real world back in the day. I right? mean, that's I, fair. Yeah. Like, so
2: was I. Like, and, and, you know, I, everyone knows I'm a big challenge fan and everything, but I just. It, I'll put the hat on real quick. Surprises me and pops me that Steven Jensen. Uh, rides that for the Tru- trucker runs. hat right here. Oh, my God. Uh, Ashley Picture on... Style. Oh my gosh.
1: Be be good, be bad, be Miz. Yeah. This was uh this was his first merchandise yeah. back when he was on the challenge. Um yeah, I had to get this from like his own website back in the day. I, th- I think it was be good, be bad, be miz.com I could be wrong, but um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I always loved the Miz because it was one of those things where like I have a lot of respect for the fact that he like his whole goal was to become a wrestling a wrestler so like he got into the real world he created this whole Miz persona where the the original Miz persona that for people who might not know was basically a dude who just got the ms was a heel on the real world people need to understand this everybody in that house hated him like he started that show by saying a bunch of really stupid stuff like day one to his roommates and like everybody hated him the whole time So he would just get really drunk. He was like uh, getting drunk by himself all the time. And he would just get drunk and carry around like a replica title belt and like beat up trash cans and stuff. Like nobody liked him. And he was just this, the Miz was his alter ego. And he basically talked like he was the rock. And I remember like, I thought he was really annoying, but I was like, I was like such a wrestling fan that I was like, Oh dude, this guy like actually wants to be a wrestler. This is crazy. And then when he started winning all these challenges, He took the money he won from the challenges and enrolled himself into UPW's wrestling school out in California, by the way, the same place that John Cena and Samoa Joe trained at. And then he, now look where he is, like all these years later, like he's like, he accomplished his goal. He used the celebrity of MTV to achieve his goal of being a pro wrestler. Like I, I got a lot of respect for that. You know what I mean?
2: I'm like to watching the Miz on the real world. And the challenge and then to see him where he's at now, you know, he he did it. Good on him. He he went through a lot, especially early in, in WWE with everything. And he pushed through, he persevered, and he's really become one of the most trusted people in WWE. Got his own reality show, married to Maurice. The man's
1: doing well for himself.
2: Bless the Miz. 100 percent his
1: greatest rival of all time is coral that's coral fact. well that's what people that's and people fact. in the chat are saying Miz was racist he, he was like when he yeah, started he the was. real world he was he, he was from his little town in parma ohio all white you know just he yeah, just ohio sucks well and, well here's the thing people need to understand too is back then even though this was the 90s or like late 90s early 2000s this was still like i'm not defending it i'm just saying like the, a show like The Real World was so groundbreaking at the time because there were so many people that really were never outside of their own bubble back then. Yeah. Like, Because there wasn't the social media and everyone connected through the internet like they are now. So someone like The Miz grew up his whole life around only white people, hearing a whole bunch of racist stuff his whole life. His, his grandfather, I think, had told him that like black people don't work as hard as white people and all this stuff in his business. And so so Miz was saying this kind of stuff not because he didn't know any black people. And so he just, he said a bunch of really ignorant, stupid stuff. And I think it's fair to say that over time, his views have clearly changed. Even during the real world, by the end of the show, he was getting along way better with his roommates and people understood. Like, I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people are just products of their environment, regardless of like what that environment is. And if you don't know any better, you don't know any better. And I think that the Miz, he absolutely was racist when he started the real world. I think he'd admit that and anyone else would, but um. But over time, I think that that is, I think it's pretty clear that that has changed. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't hold that against him anymore, but at the time it it made for some very, very awkward television. Cause I remember watching that in like middle school and being like, this dude's going to like the room, these rumors are going to beat this guy's ass. This guy's saying some really stupid stuff to people he's living with, you know what I mean? Like, so he, uh, but yeah, he, he's had, he's had quite the, quite the redemption arc, I guess, over time. So. Uh, jensen
2: your WWE spotlight this week is stephanie mcmahon announced that she's taking a leave of absence from her roles as the chief brand officer uh she said she's gonna spend more time with her family not much else is is known about this but your thoughts on stephanie mcmahon kind of stepping away for a
1: little bit it's it's surprising and it isn't it depends on you know it depends on how you look at it like i think that i th- i think that even back when the when um when McAfee did that interview with Vince, I think that was really telling when Vince was talking about the future of the WWE and making it pretty clear that that this could be with or without family. Like that, you know, and I think that he's known for a while that Stephanie was going to be taking time off and that Triple H was going to be losing a lot of his power in the company and all this stuff. And I think a lot of it has to do with, I mean it's Nick Khan. I mean, I'll just say it. I mean, I, I Nick Khan has all their jobs now. Like, I mean, most of what Stephanie did, I think, is just now Nick Khan. What a lot of what Triple H did, I think it's just now it's Nick Khan. I think if and when WWE sells to Disney or some other large corporation, Nick Khan will probably be the Tony Khan or, or sorry, the, the the Dana White, I should say, of um of WWE probably. Like within the Disney umbrella or whatever, like Nick Khan will probably be the one running the company if Vince wants to take the payout and and just you know retire and just enjoy the rest of his his time on earth here with his family by at the at the same time uh you know earning generational wealth to the point if he can sell the company for like 10 billion dollars that's the ultimate win i think for Vince McMahon like you no one in your family ever has to work ever and and, and we're talking for the the rest of history in that fan that bloodline um and he can just enjoy the rest of his life and Nick Khan can kind of just take over and I think that has to do a little bit probably with like the Becky and Sasha stuff, or sorry, the, the Sasha and Naomi stuff too, is because I think that like some of these problems, the talents are having. I think if it was like triple H in charge, they work it out. But I think because now it's like how, how Nick Khan handles things is different. Like I think that Nick Khan might be the reason why WWE put that statement out right away about Sasha and, and, and Naomi, um, You know, they stopped doing this feature endeavor thing right around the time that he came in. I think this might just be his kind of protocol and the way that he does things. And it's probably rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Um, So that said, I think a lot of that has to do with the Stephanie situation is like she probably is like her role is just getting smaller and smaller. Vince has probably made it clear that Tony Khan is his successor and, and not Stephanie. Imagine and not if played. Tony Khan was his successor. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick Khan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nick Khan. Khan. No. Hey, I think it's possible. Tony Khan could wind up buying the WWE at some point in his lifetime as well. I think it's possible. I don't think it's like going to happen anytime soon, but we also have to keep in mind. And I'm not saying this to be like grim or like that. I, I, I I'm wishing death on anybody. Cause that's obviously not what I'm doing. But we got to keep in mind, eventually, Sean Khan, when he passes away, Tony Khan is going to be a multi-billionaire, you know, so like he's going to have the money to to do whatever he wants with when he gets that inheritance from his dad. I mean, he's already and he's already a, a multi-millionaire and involved. I mean, because you can think about this, if Tony Khan, like if he got his dad's inheritance and then he also wound up selling his soccer team and got and sold whatever stake he has with the Jaguars and all that stuff. He could do whatever he wanted in the world of wrestling um, if you wanted to just focus on that. But that said, that's, that's all just speculation type stuff with, with Stephanie. Once again, it just isn't surprising because I think that Nick Khan just kind of has her job now, but at the same time, it is strange where like Stephanie's just such a big part of that company that it is a big deal for her to, to be walking away. So it's, it's it's interesting times for sure.
2: I don't know how much Nick Khan his influence is over this decision. I'd imagine there's a little bit because things have certainly changed since Nikon has gotten there and people that we thought were next in line, their, uh, the roles being diminished since Nikon has gotten there. And it's clear. Vince has a lot of trust in what Nikon is doing. Nikon is a businessman. That's what that man cares about. He cares about that bottom line. And that's how, that's what Vince is caring about at this point. Um, You're trying to sell
1: the company, so that's that's why you care <laughs> about the bottom line so much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As far as as far as Stephanie goes, it was surprising to see her take a leave of absence. I hope everything is okay. I mean, Triple H went through a lot last year with his uh, with his surgery and all of his health issues. You know, they got kids and everything. Maybe it is a thing of she just wants to spend a little bit more time with her kids and, and with Triple H and, and whatnot. I don't know. Um, it seems like they are hiring, maybe not like her exact position, but certainly like her position adjacent uh, to, to try to fill that role. I'm sure Nick Khan is taking on more responsibility in there. Like Stephanie has good relationships with a lot of these companies, she helped build uh relationships and partnerships with a lot of companies she she goes on a lot of tours and, and speaks about WWE. and you know i've heard the, the the this is hope chant story a million times on all of these uh press tours and in conferences that she does so she she has probably a bigger role than people may imagine that, that stephanie had because she's just not on television Anymore, I don't know who does that now. Maybe it is Nitcon. Maybe he is kind of like like you said, like Dana White, where he's just gonna do a bunch of media and stuff. He's not as uh, as brash as Dana White with the comments he will say. He's much more even keel in how he's going to say things. I mean, the Arrow Hawani interview, he said some stuff. You can read into a lot of stuff, but he was not very in your face about everything he was going to say. He says it. He says it almost not really monotonic or, or robotic because there's certainly some emotion there. But he says it like, these are my beliefs. This is what's happening. You can either like it or you don't. Nikon just doesn't give a fuck. And that with Triple H and Stephanie, it seems like there is a little bit more care with performers and everything there that, that Nick Khan just, he doesn't have these relationships with these people at the end of the day, like Nick Khan or uh, Triple H and Stephanie, they've been there for years. They've helped build these relationships with, with all of, a lot of these talents like you know Triple H just talked about the the NXT kids and stuff Stephanie she created women's wrestling and everything so (laughs) she has great relationships with all these talents Nick Khan comes in and he don't care he doesn't have these relationships he just sees names and numbers to this man and that's all it matters so we will see uh what happens with with Stephanie, and if she returns, when she returns, and what happens in the meantime while she is gone with Nick Khan and whoever kind of takes takes on that role. But I think a lot of her role was already being filled by Nick Khan in getting these partnerships with, with different sponsors and, and with different media outlets and, and everything like that. I think Nick Khan was already doing a good chunk of that legwork. And so Stephanie's role, much like Triple H's, had already diminished in that area.
1: Uh, yeah, 100 percent. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, I think it's worth noting, of course, that Stephanie said that she's still doing some duties with the company. Like she isn't like completely all the way out, but she's, you know, and I've also heard stuff about like potential um family uh maybe like a medical thing or something that she has like that's going to take more of her time being at home and i hope that her kids are okay and that like triple h is okay and that she's okay and everything like i i obviously don't want anything bad to happen to anybody and and i I hope that that isn't the case um because if it is that changes a lot like i mean if if this is really more about like one of their kids is 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 sick or something like that, i i I don't want to even speculate about that kind of stuff or put any of that kind of stuff out in the world but i'm just saying like I I could be totally wrong about the Nick Khan stuff. And this could be as simple as like, Stephanie just needs to be home for her family for like more important reasons right now, which if that's the case, I I hope that they get that, um, you know, get that handled because I, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen to her or family, obviously. Um, And they've been through enough with like Triple H and, you know, this past year and stuff like that. But, um, but I just have to believe this has a lot to do with Nick Khan because it just, it seems very similar to the position triple H is in, in a lot of ways. And I think that Stephanie and triple H are both kind of getting phased out of the company and it's Nick Khan basically has took, took her jobs. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just, it just is what it is.
2: Uh, Bobo says, Oh, cool. You're talking about secession. Oh, just McMahon, WWE drama. I've heard so many good things about succession. I don't know if I'll ever get around to watching it, but at some point, maybe everyone should because it sounds like it's a, it's a very great show uh our other spotlights steven jensen yours is united empire showing up on aw dynamite last night attacking ftr and causing a dq in the roh tag team title match between ftr and rapongi vice and it seems like we're setting up for united empire great okan jeff cobb against ftr potentially at forbidden door for the roh tag team titles so it'd be an aw team
1: against a new japan team for an roh team for an roh title Yes, and that's why it is my uh, my other category this week because it's it is a New Japan team showing up on AEW but involved with the Ring of Honor tag team title match. So, um, yeah, I, I pretty much what you just said. Like I, you know, I, AEW doesn't do very many DQ finishes, hardly any. Um, so I don't mind so much that this happened because it introduced Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn to the AEW audience. I mean, I'll, most of the audience already knows them, but maybe you know being outsiders coming in invading the company build the forbidden door and all that stuff um and you know i thought FTR and rapongi vice like you know the, there's a lot of talent there obviously with those two tag teams and we have plenty of time to see them run that back at some point in the future um so i think we'll still get like a straight up just FTR and rapongi vice match but i like that they've included jeff cobb and great O'Con into this and especially for great Ocon, like Jeff Cobb has shown up in AEW before. I actually got to see him live against Moxley in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Um, and then he wound up signing with new Japan and, and staying there. But I think Jeff Cobb could, could be money in AEW too. I mean, I think he's like really super talented and still kind of slept on, if I'm being honest. Like, I think there's a lot of potential with him still in the States, but I'll bring him back as Mentaza. Mentanza. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah that dude his initial run in the ring and in um lucha underground was crazy where he just pinned everybody um but like great O'Con is probably fairly unknown to a lot of the the u.s market so it's cool to see um the two of them pop up and like i said i think the dq made sense because like it'd be different if they were doing this every week but like they just do it so rarely that like this this made sense to do it in this position i think So, um, so that's why it was my spotlight, you know, ring of honor tag team title match ends in a DQ, but because of new Japan pro wrestling talents from United empire coming over and invading, uh, AEW. So, um, so yeah. And I, and I think that Jeff Cobb and great Khan will clearly go after the ring of honor tag team titles. um, I, I, They'll prob- probably at whatever the next uh the next spring of honor pay per view. I'm guessing, or maybe or maybe at or Forbidden Door. I mean, that also makes probably the most sense. Probably for at Forbidden Door, they get a tag team title shot, probably. So, um yeah. When do, what do you think about this this invasion? I I think like I wasn't
2: expecting it. That's for sure. I was definitely not expecting to see Jeff Cobb and Great Oka just randomly show up here. They do have to. I mean, we're we're a month out from Forbidden Door, so they've got to. You know, they got to get through double or nothing, but they've also got to kick into some some matchups here, some fuse. I think a lot of the card is just going to be built around like, look at this cool dream matchup. And like that's to That's going to work for for most people in this respect. But I do like that. They will put some focus on like, hey, here's a reason why you should care about this match beyond. Hey, here's this really cool match. So I was surprised by it. I liked it uh i think gretel khan has grown a lot as a performer since his, he first debuted so i i look i think he could be kind of kind of like a tv star and i think this could be like a big breakout for him i don't know how much it'll eventually mean but i think it, it could mean something bigger for his future and maybe coming i don't think it'll like join aw full-time but maybe having like more of a role in aw or roh uh more more specifically roh the aw roster is kind of stacked as it is and jeff cobb like you said like he he's a guy who can slot in anywhere and just give you great matches and great performances so i like it i imagine they're setting up for for forbidden door maybe it's a triple uh, a triple threat match with rapongi vice since they technically did not lose this match. Um, I think we're going to get Cobb and Okan against Rapongi Vice on a dynamite or a rampage at some point. And then I assume Cobb and Ocon will win and that'll set up the, the forbidden door match. But I like that they're adding a little bit of juice to forbidden door with a month out and more than just like, Hey, here's this cool dream match.
1: I think they'll also add a little bit more juice in the form of juice Robinson. Yeah. I would imagine he's going to be
2: on there somewhere uh, with forbidden door as the United States champion. Um, so we will see with that. My other spotlight, Jensen, is shifting to New Japan. The best of super juniors tournament is in the middle of the run right now. There's only like a, a week left. I think it concludes on June 3rd. Um, and Hiromu Takahashi took on Ace Austin. And Hiromu won. I thought the match was, like, good. It was one of the better matches of the tournament so far. I heard the El Phantasmo-Robbie Eagles match from this morning was very good. I've not gotten a chance to watch it, but everybody I've seen on my timeline is saying great things about it. So I'll have to watch that. I thought Hiromu and Ace Austin was good. Uh, the thing that is sort of the the big talking point here is Hiromu won. Uh, they showed a shine, sign of respect afterwards, which was interesting because Ace Austin is... A heel he's a dick uh so for him to you know kind of show respect to Hiromu was a, a little out of character and then uh after that they're they're both on social media and Hiromu's like next time I want your title Scott Tamore says hey anytime you want to come to Impact open door policy you get a title shot I don't think we're gonna see Hiromu in Impact taking on Ace Austin for the X Division Championship but man, you give these guys more than 12 minutes because that's about how long this match was. It's about a 12-minute match. You give these guys 15, 16 minutes, I think they could have an absolute banger of a match. And I'd really like to see what they could do with more time. And I'd like to see Hiromu in Impact because that's another guy, when I talk about like television stars, Hiromu's charisma is just like off the charts. And if you get him in front of like a TV audience, I, he connects immediately.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with all of that. I mean... I I think it would be great for Impact Wrestling if they could get Takahashi versus Ace Austin on, on one of their big shows. I think that would be just awesome. Um, I think Takahashi is just a charisma machine. He was I remember a few years ago when he got his neck broken and like that, that what like I can't remember who he was wrestling, but they threw him like over so that's his, like Dragon Lee. That's right. It was Dragon yeah. Lee. You're right. Yeah, and he got he got he landed on the top of his head on like one of the I don't even know what you call that move where you you like Almost like the alley oop, like the backwards yeah. power or power bomb type thing, but he landed on his head. That um, before that, I thought Takahashi was like on just a massive hot streak. I mean, like he looked like he was gonna be one of New Japan's like top guys. I know they're a little weary sometimes on the smaller guys, and they kind of pigeonhole them as like juniors and stuff. But like Takahashi seemed like he was kind of like breaking out of that, even though even all the way back then, and. Um, and I love seeing where he's at now. And, and I think that him and Ace Austin is a really great matchup and everything. Um, the Phoenix Plex. Thank you, Full Metal Creed. Yeah, you got it. So, um, so but like, and this is what I've been saying about Ace Austin for so long about impact wrestling, and why I get so frustrated about why they don't do more with him and why he hasn't been their world champion. And like being the vision champion, that's all that's all good and well. But this is the third time he's had that title belt. I think that um this is just proving my point even more this tournament because now it feels like the whole wrestling world is like Ace Austin is incredible. And like now all the new Japan, all the new Japan fans are like, hell yeah. Like we got to get more Ace Austin. Like I didn't realize he was this good. And I'm like, yeah, because way to go impact. Cause now he's going to for sure bail when the opportunity comes, like you could have had him as your world champion, super happy, extend his contract out multiple times, give him some pay raises and he could be your guy for a long time. as like a top homegrown type talent.
2: And now because
1: like Mm -hmm. Ace Austin just
2: signed a new deal in April. So he's going to be there at least it's a multi-year deal. So I don't know like full details on it, but it sounds like it's at least two years. So I don't think Ace Austin's going anywhere like anytime soon.
1: Okay. Well, I didn't know that he resigned that recently, but for, so for the next two years, let me, let me put this out there. Impact. Put the, give him the ball for the next two years. Like, cause it's like, he's just out there just proving everyone, my point and everyone else's point right now in this best of super juniors. I'm hearing everyone just raving about how incredible he is. And a lot of these people are saying like, yeah, I kind of knew about Ace Austin or I've heard the name, but like now, like I didn't realize he was this incredible. And it's like, the whole wrestling world should already be talking about this because Impact's had him for so long already. Like, so anyways, I think that, it's a good matchup between the two of them. I want to see that matchup again. And I think that it would be really, really cool to see Hiromu Takahashi challenge for the X Division championship and impact. Um, especially because Takahashi won this match and Austin can get the win back in, on his own home turf. And like, they can maybe do a trilogy match at some point or something like that. Like there's a lot of meat on the bone here, I think for, for something long-term between these two guys, um, but yeah, huge shout out to Takahashi because once again, I think he's just one of the most charismatic dudes in in wrestling. I, I love what he does. And shout out to Ace Austin who is becoming a bigger and bigger star by the day um, through this New Japan tournament. And also, I just hope that that Impact takes notes and they're like, you know, I don't want to go down this whole rabbit hole of Impact doing this over and over with talents, but like they they really they gotta. It's kind of like we were talking about with like CM Punk a little bit earlier the opportunity is right there. And like, whether you're afraid that he's going to, okay, maybe he's there for two more years, but you already have it in the back of your mind. Well, he's going to leave two years from now for sure. Cause he's just going to have so much leverage and what, who cares, like push him for two years, get the most you can out of him in your company. And if he's going to leave, put someone else over him on the way out and build another star. Like it, it you know, so I'm glad you spotlighted this though, Jeremy, because it gave us a reason to talk about Takahashi and Ace Austin. Cause I think both guys are, are mega talented. And I think that, uh, I really want to see that match happen in impact. And I hope it does. Cause with Scott Demore to mentioning in it, mentioning it, at least it's out there in the universe. Now, maybe it is something that we'll get to see.
2: I'd be shocked to face Austin doesn't win the impact world title within the next two years. Uh, I know, I know there was, I think Tommy dreamer said it, that he was supposed to win it a couple of times in the past. And then plans just kind of got changed for, for various reasons. Uh, but I would be very stunned if he doesn't win it within the next two years. And if he doesn't, that's a big miss on the part of impact because this kid has kind of everything you need when it comes to, to a world champion. So I I hope the match happens with him and Hiromu as well. And on Hiromu, I'd be kind of shocked if he doesn't move up to heavyweight division at some point, because I think that run is going to be incredible. He's kind of done everything he needs to do in the junior division. It's time for him to move up and and start wrestling the heavyweight guys. Uh, Indy spotlight, Steven Jensen, Joey Janela set his foot on fire. That's it. He set his well, foot on fire. <laughs> so
1: so I thought the whole GCW Maniac show was really good. Um my my birthday was that night, like at the midnight that night, like it became my birthday. And I was it was so funny the timing because right at midnight when the clock rolled over and like my birthday started it was exactly when Jimmy Lloyd's music hit for him to enter the ring. And Jimmy Lloyd, people know, like he's like one of my favorites. I'm always tweeting about Jimmy Lloyd. And within the first minute of my birthday, the two guys that entered that ring were Jimmy Lloyd and Cole rodrick And I was like, my dude, <laughs> like, like this is the universe telling me something. And then the scramble match wound up being like the two of them, AJ Gray, Starboy Charlie returned. Um, I think Jack Cartwheel was in there. I can't remember who else was in that match, but it was basically like the Happy Birthday Steven Jensen Scramble match. I was like, "This is hilarious!" Like these are all my dudes. In the match going into that was Masha Slamovich versus Speedball Bailey. So I was like, "This is this is like a show made for my birthday. This is great." Ninja Mac, Ninja Mac was also in. Scramble Ninja match. Mac, of course. Yes. How could I forget Ninja Mac? Of course, my my, my dude. Um, but um, but yes. Yeah, so I uh, so I wanted to give that a shout out real quick. But yes, the actual spotlight that I've chosen because it got a lot of um a lot of people were talking about it on social media when it happened uh Joey Janella wrestled Drew Parker in a death match in the main event of the show and at one point Joey Janela soaked his his foot in lighter fluid and then lit his foot on fire and he hit a really sweet super kick a flaming super kick onto Drew Parker which I figured probably should have been the end of the match and Drew, yeah. Parker, Drew Parker eventually won with a swanton off the top rope into a uh a table or a a door that was a, or whatever, I guess it was a big piece of plywood with a barbed wire all over it. But yeah, Joey Janelle hits a super kick with his foot on fire, but then he couldn't put the fire out, which was like, (laughs) it's like such a GCW thing to do, but like, like, cause they're, they're outlawed and we don't have to go into the, the, the there's other GCW stuff going on. That's ongoing right now that I don't want to talk about until there's more information out there about it. But like, when it, when it comes to this show It's such a GCW thing where it's like You didn't think it all the way through Like you, you 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 lit your foot on fire You did the move But nobody was ready with like a fire yeah. extinguisher Yeah something.
2: there was no fire extinguisher They just had water <laughs> bottles to like put How did they think this thing was going to go out Usually if you set like you know A flaming table or yourself on fire Like the impact and stuff Will just kind of calm the fire There wasn't enough impact with this super kick For like oh the fire is just going to go out on impact like we're done and like he put a lot of lighter fluid on his foot as well like he pulls his boot off and his foot is still on fire and there was no one with like a towel there was no one with a fire extinguisher just air hey, take some water bottles he and just dump a water it bottle right fast
1: it. the like, referee and him are like yeah, what, what are yeah. we doing
2: here and it should have been the finish like you're doing a, a flaming super kick which is an idea that one of the the jacksons had uh is it, they, they said it after they did the thumbtack super kick at, at all out last year. They did an interview and they're like, okay, well, what's like the next thing you want to do? And one of them said like, oh, I want to do, I want to set a shoe on fire into a flaming super kick. And Janela's is like, all right, well, a few months later, I, I'm just going to do this flaming super kick, but precautions were not taken for this flaming super kick.
1: Yeah, not at all. Um, And here, excuse me, shout out Joey Janela. Like I like Joey. I, you know, I like that they, they're outside of the box. And they do this kind of stuff um purple so, <laughs> metal creed that's funny he says surprise no one threw their booze on it thinking they could put out the fire yeah that would that would be a thing that would happen in a gCw show they would try to put it out with like vodka or something and the thing just sort of spreading um yeah I uh man this was once again props to joey Janelle for the creativity and for doing it I thought it was a really cool visual but I just wanted to throw that out there today on the show in case people missed it, like check it out. I mean, it was a really cool looking move, but it was like, how, how is there not a fire extinguisher or, or a big blanket or something? they just weren't prepared. They just thought that the fire was just going to go out on its own. And, uh, the water bottles weren't enough. Janela didn't
2: stop dropping roll or anything. He just like <laughs> looked at his foot and was like, just go out and it wouldn't go out. You come on, Joey. This is this yeah. is kindergarten stuff that you learn. <laughs> well
1: and also I'll say the match was really good. I mean like I really like Drew Parker versus Joey Janela. So like I just you know so watch the match, enjoy the match. Enjoy the whole show. I thought G C W Maniac was a really, really good card from top to bottom. Um but the whole wrestling world was talking about that 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 flaming super kick. So I uh, I wanted to throw that out there in case y'all missed it. And uh, yeah, I want to see something like that again. Like, I, I think it's really cool seeing stuff like that, uh, but you just got to be prepared and, and ready to, to put the fire out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my indie spotlight is I was live at AIW
2: gauntlet for the gold this past Saturday. Uh, we had John Thorne on the show last week to talk about it. He promised some surprises and a lot of AIW like kind of mainstays from, from back in the day that I'm not too familiar with. So, I didn't know too much about him, but the crowd there like loved like when Dick Justice came out and Dan Dan Baller, I, I think his name was, he came out like they they love love these guys. Uh, again, I'm not too familiar with them, but the crowd loved it. The big surprise for the the more mainstream audience was Britt Baker returning uh, to the promotion and doing an eight person tag team match. I thought the show was was great. Eddie Kingston and Isaiah Brona kicked their shit out of each other. Like That match was absolutely awesome. Josh Briggs, who... um, Josh Bishop. Bishop, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking the the NXT guy. Yeah, Josh Bishop. That guy, you you guys talked about him last week on the show. Immediate like star presence and star quality the moment he enters from from backstage. And he won the gauntlet for the gold, so he'll face Cardona at Absolution in July. And I think they're going to be back in the same arena for Absolution, so I'm probably going to end up Going to that as well, but great environment, great experience. AIW, it was a, it was a hell of a show. Uh, I thought everything delivered. So some really good matches. If you guys, it aired live on IWTV. I know John Thorne said last week, like, oh, I think it's going to be next day. But then like day of, they said it was going to air live. So it was live on IWTV. Everyone can go check it out. I want a Suzuki signed turnbuckle. Steven Jensen I won a raffle so that was pretty sweet. Um yeah, it was it was a really really good show and kind of like we we talk about a lot on the show and a lot with uh, uh like John Thorne was saying like support your local indie. They they put on great shows. You learn of the the new talent, kind of the up and coming talent. I would be shocked if Josh Bishop is not in WWE within the next couple of years. This guy has everything you would kind of want from, from a WWE standpoint, I would be
1: very surprised if he's not there within the next couple of years. The crazy thing is he tried out with them, like within the last probably three to six months. And they apparently passed on him.
2: Well, they're idiots. Sometimes
1: I I think with another tryout (laughs) and he will,
2: he will be there because I I think he's only going to get better in the ring, especially working, you know, now he's going to work Cardona. So that's a, you know, Cardona obviously knows that style very well and is a, is a buzz name. So he has, he has everything that you kind of want from, from a superstar. So I'd be shocked if he's not there within the next few years.
1: Absolutely. You got the size, the athleticism. Uh, he's crazy. Like we talked about with John Thorne, like he'll do crazy bumps, crazy stuff out there. And he's still in his early twenties. I mean, he's, he's just, yeah, he's a, a blue chip prospect. Is like, I guess would probably be the best way of saying it. He, he, um, and, you know, he's the one who was the champion and Cardona beat him for the title. Yeah. So this is kind of his like big redemption story to get that title back. Um, yeah. And you you didn't even mention uh, you didn't just get a Suzuki signed turnbuckle pad. You got a Kaplan signed for a buckle pad. Um, Kaplan
2: did sign it as well. Kaplan and Waller did not brawl near me. So I didn't have to throw hands with, with any of them. Uh, they did tease like a door spot. That match was a little rough. I must say like John Thorne said it was going to be a train wreck. It, it kind of was like it was a, it was rough. They teased the door spot throughout and never delivered on that, which was the crowd was not happy about. Uh, they looked like they were on two separate pages with stuff as well which was disappointing uh and again they didn't they didn't come near me i was trying to throw hands i would have thrown them through the door but they would definitely throw me through the door i would have taken the door spot
1: i almost tweeted at you when you because you posted a picture i think during tom Lawler and kaplan i think and i was yeah. about to be i got to be like you're a little far away from a dude who's trying to pick a fight right now like they like,
2: gotta uh, come to me i'm not i'm not coming there to, to fight i can't jump the guardrail had they gone over the guardrail. I would have been in the mix, but you know, I was I was waiting for them to to get over to me. They didn't do it. They're the That's cowards. Fair. They didn't go through doors. They didn't come fight me. Tom Waller and Kaplan, please don't kick my ass. But I will get thrown through a door. I won't. Please don't do that to me.
1: There you go. But yeah, check the show out, y'all. IWTV. You can use code fight talk if you want to over at IWTV. Check it out. Um I if you want to hear more about I um about aiw and uh from john thorne the uh, the owner promoter of that company we did interview him last week uh so you can listen to last week's episode of the spotlight or you can listen to the interview over at uh, fightful overbooked the full interview and uh i actually broke down a lot of the talent on the weekender so that's over at fightfulselect.com if you want to hear more deep dives on some of the talent involved in the show um but jeremy i gotta go get yes. my shoot job going. Thank you for finishing the show up. Uh, y'all are about to hear a conversation with myself, Jeremy Lambert, and Jay Shell. And I thought it was really a conversation that you're about to hear. Jeremy, feel free to elaborate more on AIW if you want to when I leave. I know you've already kind of started setting it up for the interview, but if there's more you want to talk about with AIW, go for it. I just need to make sure I am clocking in for work. So- yes. Get um, in.
2: Jensen, we appreciate it. Everyone follow Stephen Jensen at fight talk underscore, uh, go to Fightful select subscribe, listen to the weekender, uh, all that fun stuff. So appreciate it. Jensen. Uh, I'm going to throw to the interview with J shell, Nicole. Um, we talk about wrestling with whiteness, that documentary talk about, uh, kind of her balancing school and, and work and a bunch of other topics with J shell. So we are going to go to that in just a second. As I pull it up, Jensen, thank you. Have a good day, buddy. Enjoy. Enjoy the sheep job. Yep. See y'all all right. Apologies Hold on, there we go. Hello. Welcome back everyone to the creator spotlight here on the spotlight. There's a face you may know, you may remember Shell Nicole from wrestling with whiteness. The documentary comes out uh, on May 28th and also from our pals over at the late night Grind, Jay shell. How you doing?
3: I'm great. I'm so excited to be here talking talk about wrestling with whiteness and it's a passion project of mine and I'm honored to be here.
2: Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and, and jump right into that. So Wrestling with Whiteness is the documentary that, again, comes out on May 28th, and I'm just going to read the the curriculars here. The documentary on being black in professional wrestling business. Uh, you put all this together. You interviewed a ton of talent for this. Uh, everyone from Ricky Starks, Big, Big Swall, Alex Kane, Darius Lockhart, Khan, Moses, Reverend Ron Hunt, Tasha Steele. a ton more uh, that, that I could go on about. Um, I've seen it. I've, I've, I've watched the entire preview. I love it. I thought you did a, a great job with it. It's broken up into five sections. There's not only wrestlers, there are content creators on here as well. People, again, people may know, uh, most of my Malcolm will Washington public enemies podcast, There's a bunch of people who you may know, or people, if you don't know, you will get familiar with very quickly. Uh, so I just want to start with how did this idea come about for you?
3: Yeah. So actually it was, um, I want to say december i came up with the idea i was trying to think of my senior thesis project for school actually i'm a senior in high school and i had to do a project and it was supposed to be around my internship and i was teaching at the time but i was like no i want to do something in the wrestling world and my background is in social justice i've been a youth organizer since i was 13 years old or so um so i've always had interest in diversity equity and inclusion i'm now going on to study that in college um but I always wanted to see how I could kind of intermingle what I was doing in the wrestling world with interviews and podcasts and stuff with my passion for social justice. And it kind of just turned out being my final project, which is wrestling with whiteness.
1: Nice. Yeah. So, congratulations, by the way, on uh, graduating high school. Uh, I remember going through that. Uh, me and Jeremy were like the same age we're old. a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Um, where were you, Jeremy? That was 2006. Oh, graduate. Yeah. Oh, six. Oh yeah, six. Yeah. So, so yeah. So congratulations there, yeah. don't, don't that. do the shocked face. Like, you know, <laughs> we are old. Oh, yeah. We're old. We're old. Um, but Jay shell. So like, how, how did that all kind of like, like with you getting into like wrestling media and deciding to like cover wrestling more and devote a lot of like your time and, and energy to wrestling. Uh, did that come like, let me know how that kind of came about. I am sure obviously you were like a fan of wrestling, but it sounds like you're also like very involved this other stuff and you've always been uh driven to to just be involved in, in a bunch of different things i mean it, you mentioning you being a part of these these clubs and groups and stuff since you were like 13 years old and in like pretty important fields so how did this all like come together where you got you're spending so much of your time like devoted to wrestling nowadays
3: yeah so at the beginning of the pandemic i kind of circled back to wrestling i started watching back in april of like 2014 ish um but then i stopped once i got to high school because it just like wasn't cool or whatever um but once quarantine came i was like well i need something to do so i just started watching wrestling again um i remember the first show that i watched back was like wrestlemania 36 i think or something like that um but after that it was kind of like a year or so i want to say before i started like really engaging on twitter and stuff i saw um like the stuff that Fightful was doing and I was like super engaged in like their podcast and I was like I think I could do something like this because my background has always been in like public speaking um I've given speeches my whole life and I am I like to think I'm quick on my toes I would do interviews um with my newspapers and stuff like that so I thought that I would be good at it um and I just quickly began to found myself kind of trying to analyze wrestling like I saw the people on YouTube doing as well, um, and kind of trying to mimic that, but with my own interests and my own point of views, especially as a young woman of color who has a background in diversity and equity inclusion, uh, which I feel like is a really unique thing that I bring to the table when it comes to being in wrestling media. um, I don't really know how I got to spending all my time on this. It kind of just happened. I was on the distraction, um, the the woman's takeover with Kate. After that, I joined Body Slam. I became the co-managing editor. I have since left Body Slam, but everything happened really quickly. So it started back in November, I want to say.
1: Gotcha. It's- yeah, I, I just want to add real quick. It's cool that you have. I talked. we talked about this with muscle man, Malcolm, when we interviewed him a while back as well, but like y'all's generation, it's just so wild. Like the access that y'all have to broadcasting, because for one it makes it really hard in some ways to get noticed because so many people are have access to being able to do it but in other ways it's making it a lot easier because like you're able to do it and yeah. like when I was around your age i was when I was in college I had to do like college radio college magazines because like youtube was i mean it was like brand new and you couldn't make money on it it, mm-hmm. it was like, it was so out of the realm of like so yeah. I think it's really, really cool seeing people around your age taking the, the initiative so young to like really dive in because the technology is there. And if you have the drive to, to get involved, you, you can, you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that you got back
2: into wrestling during the pandemic, because I feel like that's when a lot of people realized, hey, there's other stuff I can actually be watching instead of this pro wrestling stuff. So for you to actually rediscover your love for wrestling during the pandemic is uh, kind of crazy to hear. How did you balance, you know, everything going on with high school? Cause I know you were, I, I guess, what's a little of super senior. Like you you were <laughs> very much, uh, I know the grades were high and everything. So you, you were doing all that. And I know all the work you were doing with various uh, outlets like body slam and, and doing different shows and stuff. How So how did you find the balance on that? And then moving forward, going into college this year, Like, what are you thinking when it comes to the balance with everything
3: yeah so um with high school i actually go to a career technical center school whatever like a um a flex there's a more flexible model in my my school so i would actually spend wednesdays and fridays fully at home Um, i was able to just focus on my wrestling stuff my advisor was super flexible and allowed me to make wrestling my internship eventually um so i just kind of transferred all of my time into that and all of my projects were based around wrestling i just finished from my senior year i have to write a final paper or final like thesis paper and it was about um, black women in wrestling and the misogynoir that they face, and it was 16 pages. Um, And it didn't even really feel like work. It just all felt so natural that I was able to kind of convert what I was doing in the wrestling media side to my schoolwork and to do that back and forth as well. Like wrestling with whiteness is my final project for school. It's my final high school project, but it's also this really big piece of who I want to be in the wrestling media world, so oh college as well um i oh god i have no clue i literally (laughs) filled out my housing application today i'm hoping for a single dorm um so i can still do my podcasts and stuff like that or a suite but the suite has like different bedrooms or whatever so something like that something where i can at least be alone um and not have to kind of split it with a roommate
2: just kick yeah. them out. You're like, look, yeah. I got to talk about <laughs> wrestling for a couple hours here. So you just need to go away. Find something to do. Go to study. <laughs> go go get lunch. Just kick them out. it will be fine
1: man times have changed so much like i like i remember in in college for me i was a sport management major and so like a lot of my classes were sports based and i had to write all these papers about just different things that had to do with sports and i would anytime i bring up wanted to write something about pro wrestling they my professors would be like that's not a sport like, you got to hit like an actual sport and i'd be like well now people are recovering yet in high school that's cool as hell that's, that's, that's awesome though like things have, have, have changed so much um so yeah, how excited are you for college because like I, I i remember that feeling and being like super super nervous but but honestly college is probably the best time i ever had in my life and i think you're gonna love it as well
3: uh, i'm excited i'm not very far from home which is better my original plan was i was moving to georgia and i was going to school there and i eventually do want to move to georgia that's my like eventual landing spot which but... college by the way oh i was gonna go to spelman
1: Okay, I know about spelling. I went to Georgia Southern. I actually live in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I visit Atlanta pretty regularly. Like, I'm going back there this summer. My sister lives down there, which is kind of why my family was looking at moving. But now I'm only, like, 50 minutes away, an hour max away from my family. So that makes me feel really comfortable. Um, But it's also far enough to, like, stay away for a little while, too, um, which is the perfect balance for me. Um, and I picked a major that I really liked all of the other colleges that I was looking at. None of them had the diversity, equity and inclusion major that I was looking for. But Bentley has it, which is where I'll be attending. Um, and I also can get a um, business focus on it. My background's in social justice, but I've also been an entrepreneur. I've started five businesses and organizations like. <laughs> Like the time I turned 12, I started my first business. So I've always kind of just been an entrepreneur and very adaptable. So I'm excited for college. Um, I'm also definitely a self-advocate. So if I need something, I'll always make sure I get it, um, which I feel like is going to come in handy there. But I'm not really interested in the friends piece of college. I really don't want any of that. That, <laughs> that sounds annoying. Oh, People are scary.
2: terrible generally. So like I'm, I'm with you on that. All your friends talk about wrestling, you know, just
1: hang out right. with us all the time. You don't need actual, you know, real life friends. That's what i well, so once again, when we were that age, Jeremy, the, at best we could watch the the primitive YouTubers just all fighting each other. There were there was no Twitter. Oh yeah, there was no Twitter <laughs> wrestling community. It was all the IWC and the YWC. Now at least you can have friends all over the world, yeah. you know, or people that hate you. I mean, if you get if you get big enough, everyone is on <laughs> hating you. Unfortunately, Shell, um, what do you know about uh, hate on Twitter? You ever <laughs> ever gotten that before?
2: Oh
3: no, I've never experienced that. Yeah, I don't know what that is. <laughs> especially not from like former co-workers either it's great
2: oh oh well i don't know we don't need to get you want to go and dive into that <laughs> Shoot on former co-workers
0: i don't know <laughs> if we need to all that yeah. well hey, hey hey
1: let me ask you about current co-workers okay because you got some good current co-workers for yeah. friends of friends of of ours in the late night grin um I want to hear about that, and, and Jeremy, feel free to circle back to you know the, the school questions if you'd like to um, later on. Because I'm I'm fascinated with how young you are, like wow, well, uh, impressive that you are. You know, I think it's very very cool to see. But it's also kind of funny to see with the guys over there at Late Night Grind. Um, so <laughs> so what's that been like? What was kind of your in with them? I, I know you knew them a little bit before you got involved, but what was kind of your in over there? And what's it been like? doing all these podcasts with uh you know guys like bob o'neill Jude, and and of course you know uh, you know joseph holbert and all those guys over there
3: yeah it's so much fun that's my favorite place to do podcasts and stuff like that and that's why when it came to college i was like i need to figure out a way to make this work um but basically once joe kind of started to pick up more stuff at the late night grin i reached out to him about like collaborating because i was kind of starting my own youtube channel too um so we did a show called the free agents where we kind of just reviewed all of the free agents and talked about where we could see them going and then we eventually kind of evolved that into a weekly show so every friday we would talk about a single free agent and plan out different matches and destinations for them which now has kind of evolved into us looking towards the rankings in AEW, how they actually compare to the world in wrestling's rankings regarding their entering style, the matches they had, this, their success. Um, we ranked the matches of the week, all of that stuff, um, which is really fun because it's like a big review of the week, which is what I like to do. I like to like tie little bow on the week especially on a friday um but over there it's so much fun i'll pop on random shows like one time i did a dynamite post show with bob o'neill it was just me and him and it was the funniest thing ever it was such an odd dynamic uh, me with any of them is such an odd dynamic but it always works so well so it's very intriguing um and doing the late night grin like itself like that four hour show tests me like i've never been tested before i don't know what happens i always have to just be drinking straight water if i drink an energy drink i end up going to sleep and it just does not work out it's a strategy <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh it's funny
2: i imagine plenty of energy drinks yeah those the, the marathon shows on friday
1: nights are, uh, something to behold over yeah. there something hey, to- and i'll also say this the, the fleet 50 was like my favorite thing of like this past year like, i i love the concept of like getting the votes in and and all that stuff mm-hmm. like i think what y'all are doing over there late night grin is really cool I, I i really do enjoy it and i wish i had more time to like watch everything that like everyone was doing especially now with my shoot job that we're always talking about on here like i just don't have the time that i used to to, to stay up to date with everything but i try to i try to catch late night grin whenever i can and anything going on over there because i think y'all are all, all great people over there and i think i think it's just most fun. of them
2: most yeah of them. not <laughs> I mean, at
1: all but not all I, y'all. Y'all, it's just it's just fun. Like it's 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 um it's educated to the level of like you know y'all know what you're talking about and you deep dive onto wrestling topics. So you all really know your stuff. But it's also like super goofy which is like oh yeah fun to watch you know yeah
3: we got something for everybody too me and oracle we do a divas deep dive we're literally looking at the 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 evolution of the divas title to the woman's title that we have now and obviously joe streams every weekday at 10 a.m like a crazy man um, and then I do a couple shows here and there and there's a bunch of stuff and we all rotate. So it's a great mix of the personalities and it's always amazing content. And I think it's very funny as, um, shoot has taught me. I do live improv every week, every time I'm on the podcast, I'm just doing live improv. So, <laughs>
2: It is everyone go check it out. Late night com. They're on Twitch as well. You can go over there. I think it's twitch.tv slash late night grin. So I know there was like a YouTube issue. So things yep. are like now just being uploaded. So yeah. go support them however you can. Again, most of them good people. Fuck Bob O'Neill. Uh I must say everyone else, good person, good people.
1: uh you know, I just back. realized by I just realized by the way that his Twitter picture is Pat Sajak from Rugrats. Like yeah. I just realized that the other day. <laughs> like I don't know why it's that, but I I, I put that together. Anyways, if, if anyone's going to have that, it'd be Bob O'Neill. He's the only one ever. Anyways, go ahead, Joey.
2: Uh, I was going to jump back to the documentary. Um, who, uh, who was maybe someone you were hoping to potentially interview for it that you, you couldn't do, or who was kind of the toughest to kind of track down and get a hold of for this.
3: I got a list for this one. I'm actually planning <laughs> on doing a second edition of wrestling with whiteness. Since more people have kind of um, signed on and are willing to be part of the next one, but out of the people that I did get on, it was hardest to lock down, um, Darius Lockhart, um, cause he doesn't do many interviews at all um so once i was able to explain the concept to him he was so uh, open to it he's like a big brother to me now so i was happy to create that connection i also interviewed trisha dora for the documentary it just didn't make it on because there were audio issues and i was so sad because it was in person too and it was so good so we're gonna have to have her in the next edition of it but um she was also pretty uh, weary of doing the interview but rightfully so um and then also for the next piece I'm hoping to get um, Leo Rush, Leo was one of the people I wanted the first time around and I tried really hard to get it just didn't end up working out. Um, Josiah Williams as well. Um, I also have Swerve, Keith and Jade on my list, of course, um, for next round and I already have AJ Francis signed on for the next edition. Nice
1: you are you got to get out to atlanta for when they do like terminus and battle slam and stuff Mm -hmm. out here because i've been going to those shows and you can get a ton of good interviews with a lot of really good talent a lot of the people you just mentioned have have come through those shows recently and stuff um question for you who is your favorite wrestler and why is it tasha (laughs) steals
3: oh my god i i wish i had the video of it i have to go check out the the stream of the women's wrestling army show but the inaugural show um i think on on the film you can see me coaching tasha to the ropes in a match that she's a heel in and i'm literally just standing there at the ropes i'm like let's go let's go like clapping for her like i'm making the most commotion. like i'm her manager it was it was very entertaining um but i I love tasha to death oh my god she was always one of my favorite wrestlers, even before I even interacted with her. And then after we did the interview ever since then, me and her have just been super close. Like me, her, Swole, and Willow, like they're all like my wrestling mom, and aunties. Um, so it's, it's always great to have them in my corner and they're always supporting me like with everything. So I'm very excited.
2: You mentioned you know managing to- or acting as Tosh stills manager any interest in doing anything like i have in so
3: much interest in that it, <laughs> oh my god it's all about timing for me though because i i went about to be in college so if you know if timing works out in college and great if not when i come out i'll be like 21 so i'll still be super young and i can do it i'm actually for my birthday this is i'm so excited about this i'm going to this one day pro wrestling camp and like they teach you to take bumps and stuff like that i'm so excited i i literally tortured my boyfriend because i put him in shoot arm bars i'm a shoot submission like man i don't know what's happened to me there's a like a demo reel on my twitter if you're really interested in it and i'm just putting him in a bunch of different moves i'm like in helico i'm just transitioning from a bunch of different moves i put him in this arm bar where i like cranked his arm up and out of his body it was It was amazing. So uh, eventually, wrestling, probably not, but managing, I would like to think so. I would like to think I'd get there. If not, I'd actually prefer to be backstage, if I'm going to be honest. I'd like to do diversity and stuff at these companies and be a face backstage that actually is a member of the Black community and understands Black culture to help characters resonate more. Um, But if it comes through managing and it ends up like that, then I'm happy with that regardless. So
1: yeah that's awesome yeah that, I, I love that about managers too like the, i think most of the best managers in wrestling are the ones that at least at least take some bumps like like because you got to get get your come comeuppance eventually right yeah. like you, you can only talk so much trash and be such a heel or whatever for someone that eventually people want to see you get knocked over every now and then so yeah. if you at least have that part of it and you wind up as a manager i think that'd be really cool And then yeah, something backstage and like you just said, you're so young, like you're going to have so much opportunity. Like I would just, man, I would just enjoy, enjoy college and just do as much work as you possibly can. And if it doesn't feel like work, just keep doing it for fun and just keep stacking and keep building your resume. And by the time you're done with college, see, here's the other thing too, you're going to have that college degree to fall back on, which is like, that's so valuable. I think to have just, just in general. So, yeah, very very cool. Who who's running that school? Do you know?
3: Oh, I have no clue. I just know it's like the Northeast Wrestling Academy is what it's called. It's up in Massachusetts. Okay, gotcha. Well, I, I know John on. Alba's worked there. John Alba. Okay. Recommended me that. Oh, another okay. guy who can fuck off. Honestly,
1: <laughs> like just
2: so what is what does he know about managing and taking bumps and everything? <laughs> Hey, For what
1: it's worth, I knew about uh Daniel Garcia before I saw him talking about him, but hey, but but and that doesn't mean he knew about, I knew about him first. I'm just saying, I know he
2: can we bring out Daniel Garcia on this show. Is oh, that, god, is that okay?
1: <laughs> okay? wait, why is that a topic? I don't know what the inside joke here is.
3: I'll tell you, Ox Dream, I I don't think I'm allowed <laughs> to speak about it on air anymore. I haven't tweeted about him in a very long time, so <laughs>
2: sorry, okay. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs>
3: so for the bit
2: you know i love a good bit you got to commit to it (laughs) love love a good bit um if john alba can get punched in the face whether it's daniel garcia related or not
1: Hey, you know, I don't
2: want any heat. I actually like these people. I
1: all the people that you're always like, yeah, fuck that dude. I'm always like, oh, I, I like that. Yes, exactly.
2: Because <laughs> I can, I I think I can get away with it because I think they all actually like me as well, and they all yeah. they know that I actually like them, so I can say fuck Sean Rossap and fuck Bob O'Neill and, and fuck John Alpha, right? I just fuck all of like, them.
1: I like these guys, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, we like you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not fun.
2: <laughs> no fun (laughs) alex
1: mccarthy as well all these
2: guys uh j shell you you know uh i know you're a big advocate for for black wrestlers and just uh that that in in general when it comes to to wrestling what would you say is like the thing that is lacking the most when it comes to diversity in in all of wrestling whether it be wrestlers whether it be backstage or whether it be like the education of, of it like what would you say is lacking
3: Well, I think there's two main things that come up in the documentary. One, I think, is lack of opportunities for Black talent, um, which could also be deemed as quotas, I guess. Um, Certain companies or promotions putting a certain cap on how many wrestlers of color or Black wrestlers specifically they feel comfortable booking for a show, or even women sometimes. Um, But I feel like the more Black-owned promotions that we see, that's actually one of my goals as well, is to create my own promotion eventually if I don't end up doing um corporate work somewhere with diversity um but uh i would love to see more promotions within the community pop up and see them get more successful because sometimes they lack support um which is incredibly disappointing um but i also think it's really important like i said before to get people who look like us backstage even if it's managers like um just transitioning over to a smaller um management role that's working with creative making sure that these um people of color or like people of marginalized identities in general are being advocated for and are being heard um because it could easily be the difference between um wrestlers um, being perceived as um, stereotypes by creative versus them being them authentic selves and being able to connect authentically with Black culture, which also was incredibly marketable for them. Um, If you look at wrestlers like, Bianca and Swole and Willow and Tasha, they're all authentically themselves and they are doing great regardless of what company they are in. Um, and it's very marketable, especially Bianca with her braid. That's an authentic piece of black culture that the WWE is able to, um, take advantage of and market. And there's a lot of braid sales.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Those are all really good points because like I I've said for a long time too, that like kind of like the hip-hop community kind of decides what's cool and what isn't in like culture like a lot of the time and I think a lot of that translates into wrestling too like when you see certain wrestlers during during certain stuff and act certain ways you're like yeah that's really cool like like I like they should like like when I see swerve out there I'm like he did like his presence and like his look and the whole vibe about him it's just it's it's a it's a little different but it's really cool and I think it draws people to that like and uh, I mean, he's not the only example I can, I can mention. So, I mean, AJ Gray is probably my favorite wrestler on the Indies right now. He's way, way up there. And it's like, you hear that Walk flock Flocka hit and I'm from Atlanta. So mm-hmm. I'm like, this is my music, my dude, like, and I, I I love watching him do his thing. And he brings a different, a different kind of energy than a lot of other wrestlers. Do. I mean, so it's like, I, I, I think that's kind of undervalued too. And I think that was a good point you brought up where I think kind of, once again, kind of like the hip hop community is really, really good about being really early on in trends that become really popular across the world and they could implement that more into pro wrestling
3: yeah I completely agree I I think that sometimes um there's a disconnect between the way that people are presented like on screen versus off screen like there's a bunch of wrestlers who I can think of that don't get to be themselves fully on screen. but like online they're super cool and they're super intriguing and interesting and their personalities um are so captivating but you don't get to see that on screen because of certain limitations
1: yeah well i think it's safe to say that like throughout history especially in like the wwe i don't want to like single them out but i mean years and decades worth of like just i mean it, it is what it is i think jeremy would agree i mean how many just just stereotypes and and just just grouping people together based on race versus like based on talent or anything other than race and and i think it has been a thing that's happened for a really really long time and i think it's uh it's good that that's changed more recently but there's still a lot of work to be done and i think that's why we need people like Jay shell out there who you know are bringing positive change and bringing more diversity to this whole thing so i think i think it's really good what y'all are doing
3: Thank you.
2: I mean, I said it on the stream with, with Phil this week of, especially when it comes to WWE, they love using black culture if it benefits white people and not always if it benefits black people. And uh, yeah, that, that was a conversation Phil and I had on, on Fightful Overbook this week. shell, I want to get you out of here on this one. What's the coolest thing in your room?
3: Oh my my goal chart. Oh, it's so <laughs> different now. But there used to be a bunch of slots filled in there, and it, it was like my AEW interviews and my Impact interviews, and those are all gone now because I did them. So,
2: always yeah. good to take goals off of your goal chart, though. Yes, just, tomorrow no it
3: needs to become a um a game cheat. I'm having game night with a late night grin tomorrow. Oh, nice! What
1: games There's are you playing?
3: Oh, we're doing like Quizlemania style. Ooh. aw themed see. yeah
1: Ooh, okay did you all already do the draft i saw some stuff on Twitter yes
3: there. i selected only black people except for julia hart as my last pick
1: gotcha well she's the gonna draft. be house of black soon it looks like so <laughs> i'll kind of sort of
3: cool. stretch there <laughs>
1: house <laughs> of black almost there um, we go yep
3: yeah that makes but uh it even funnier oh my god i love that <laughs>
1: She's not in there yet, but it's, it's pretty obvious, right? She's got to be joining the House of Black, right? Yeah. All the signs are there. Yes,
3: yeah, so. she has to.
2: Jashel, uh, again, the documentary is Wrestling with Whiteness. Uh, it, pre- it premieres on your YouTube channel, uh, which is uh, Shell Nicole, right? Yep. Pretty okay. simple. All right. Uh, so everyone can go there. Everyone go follow her on Twitter. It premieres on May 28th. Check that out. Shell, any other last plugs you would like to throw out there?
3: um yeah just check me out on twitter there is a link true in my bio if you're interested in seeing some of my other work i have stuff on fightful overbooked i will be on the uh, fightful roundtable um coming up on tuesday tuesday Tuesday. yes yes i'm not very good with days i know it as the 31st (laughs) in my mind um so i'm very excited make sure to check me out over there and yeah just follow me on twitter all my information is there
2: there you go. Everyone go support J Shell. She's doing great work uh, again with Wrestling with Whiteness and at LateNightGren.com. Uh, guys, we appreciate it. J Shell, we appreciate it. We'll be right back here on the spotlight. We are back again. Thank you to J Shell for joining Jensen and I on the creator's spotlight. Everyone go uh support her on Twitter and everywhere else that she does great work at. Uh guys, we thank you for, for joining us today. Um, one final message. Uh, my, my heart goes out to everybody in, in Texas and all the families involved in the, the shooting at the elementary school. Um, I don't know what the solution is. I personally believe it should be less guns, not more guns. But we've got to do a better job as a country to protect everyone, not, not just children, not just minorities literally everyone in this country, because we should not be afraid to send our kids to school. We should not be afraid to go to the grocery store or go to concerts or go to music events. Uh, I, I would like for things to be fixed and people in charge and in power need to take action against these things because it keeps happening. There is a reason it keeps happening. Despite everyone saying they want change and they want to do something or it's not going to happen again. It continues to happen. And we've got to find a way to fix this because I cannot watch my fiance and I cannot watch my friends be scared to send kids to school every day. It should not be like that at all. So I hope something changes. If you can do anything, Uh, Whether it's voting, whether it's supporting the right people, uh, please do what you can to help. But we need to to change something in this country because it, it is heartbreaking and it is sick that this goes on seemingly every single week. So I hope something changes. And again, if you can do anything to make a change, please do what you can to, to make any type of change. Uh, guys, I appreciate the sport. Jensen. And I appreciate the sport. You can go over to fightful overbooked.com. Uh, bye everyone